0: Welcome into the Ebony Bird Podcast, episode 30. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. This is going to be a special draft special for the Ebony Bird Podcast, just days ahead of the 2018 NFL Draft, getting started Thursday, April 26th, moving on through Saturday, April 28th. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff, a bunch of draft questions I have for our 2 set experts who will be joining me here momentarily, and then after that, we will get into a quick seven-round mock draft uh, for the Ravens, just days ahead of the NFL Draft. So, thank you all for joining in. Before we get started, follow me on Twitter at jmacdonald95. Of course, this podcast coming to you crystal clear through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. We are Ebony Bird, the official fan side affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens. You can find us at ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird. On Twitter. Real quick before we get started, as always, download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store to get all of your news for your mobile device, not only on your computer, but also your mobile device as well. Uh, Some recent articles from Joe Schiller, our site expert at Joe Schiller NFL. Dream first round scenarios for the Ravens and Rashad Perryman's role becoming obsolete with the new wide receiver additions. And then our other slide expert, Chris Schistler at Football 58, ranking every Baltimore Ravens first round pick from worst to first. Those are just some of our recent articles now. So welcome everybody into the show. Uh, before we get started, just going over to Chris and then Joe. We're a couple of days away from the NFL draft. This has, you know, been touted as probably the most crucial Ravens draft in recent memory with, you know, not making the playoffs in three seasons and Ozzie Newsome going into it in his last year as general manager. Just thoughts, concerns, um, opinions as we sit just now four days away from the NFL draft as you record this.
1: I'm concerned because I don't know what the Ravens are going to do. And to be honest, every year you can kind of take, okay, this is what the Ravens are going to do unless, a best player available thing happens and they can't pass a guy up. But this year, honestly, they could go in six, seven, eight directions. And you're like, I just want them to pick a good player at 16. And then fill needs as the draft
2: progresses. And we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I feel like we kind of had an idea with the receiver, but then the offer to Willie Snead puts that in question now. And you're not sure if maybe they'll target him on the first round. They're really a mystery team when it comes to their picks. And that's just a credit to Ozzy News in the front office. They really have kept us guessing over the years um, based on their track record. And that's the same going into this draft. I think Thursday uh, night there's no guarantee of what we know that they're going to pick with pick number 16. And even if they do pick a number 16. So we're left guessing for now.
0: Yeah, whether or not they stay at number 16 is one of the questions we have for our site experts, Chris and Joe. So let's get into it. I'm going to just kind of do a little rapid fire here. We'll go over to Chris and then Joe for this first one. Uh, the first question I have for you guys, in your opinion as things stand right now, what are the top five positions of need on the Ravens roster currently? And is that list consistent of uh the positions in the draft and in terms of whether or not those positions in the draft have talent as compared to other ones? Um, You know, there obviously there are some positions in the draft that are rumored to be much more stock than other ones, of course, you know, we could get into debating about how high the wide receiver uh, position still is with the Ravens, you know, with their offer sheet to Willie Sneed now, which has a couple more days, I believe three days to get settled. So uh top five, you know, three to five positions of need for the Ravens roster, and then how does that correlate with the talent levels of those positions in the draft? Well,
1: I think it's tight end, wide receiver, inside linebacker, and you know what? I, a lot of people are going to say offensive line. I'm not. I'm going to say corner and uh, safety because I think Eric uh, Weddle's not going to last forever. And Jimmy Smith's situation, you know, we need a future star at the cornerback position. So I, I, I think those are the places you need to go. And another place I wouldn't mind going to is running back. I, I wouldn't mind finding a running back that can pair of Alex Collins better than maybe a Kenneth Dixon or a Buck Allen. So that that that's where I would go.
2: Yeah, I think it's you know, pass catcher including wide receiver, tight end. Um I have offensive line up there tr- truly because I don't trust James Hurst at right tackle, but I mean that's a project that's still yet to be figured out. Um inside linebacker and I'm gonna put quarterback on that list too. I think that's a need. Joe Flacco isn't um getting any younger, he's certainly not playing any better. So I think they need to address that, whether it's a surprise pick in the first round or a later round, um, maybe day two or day three pick that offers some guys like Kyle Aletta, you know, Mike White, Riley Ferguson, some of those guys that are project guys who could sit behind Flacco because if you're bringing in a quarterback, you're obviously not going to have him start right away. I mean, Flacco's a bona fide starter for the time being, so it gives them the luxury of having guys sit behind Flacco for one or two years to be a starter. But I we will get to it later, but I really, truly – feel like offensive line is a need I think the Ravens created themselves a hole by declining Austin Howard's option and then obviously losing Ryan Jensen one of the best centers in the league last year is you know that's tough and to replace him Matt Spira is definitely an option but I think he's still very unproven in the year where the Ravens need to make the playoffs I don't know if you can certainly count on that <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree uh, with a lot of what you just said, Joe. I I, I mean, I think we all had tight end at the top of our list. They certainly lack a pass-catching tight end. I mean, really, ever since the Todd Heap and Dennis Pitta days, really looking to find that. I have offensive line high on my list. Uh, wide receiver, I have third. It was higher a couple weeks ago, but now with the additions, particularly of Crabtree and Willie Sneed, uh, John Brown as well, that's taken a little bit of a hit to the middle. And I also have linebacker and quarterback on here as well. But I do agree with what Chris said about possibly getting another safety or a cornerback, because you can never have too much depth at the secondary, especially if the injuries the Ravens have had there in recent seasons. So... Moving on to our next question, what's your gut feeling for pick 16? This is assuming the Ravens stay there, and it's impossible to tell who's going to be there and who's not. The receiver class isn't rumored to be particularly deep. Calvin Ridley's uh, stock dropped a lot, but, of course, like we saw last year, there was a run of receivers before the Ravens got to pick at 16. So right now, as things stand, what's your gut feeling? If you had like to put your finger on one specific pick, what are you leaning towards right now?
2: I think mine has to be offensive line. I think specifically the right tackle I highlighted and our um, – we did the roundtable post where we each gave our picks for the first round. I had Mike McGlinchey. I think he's a safe pick. It's obviously not a sexy pick. not going to rile up the fan base, but you need to protect Joe Flacco for the time being that he's your quarterback. And with recent injuries, you can't afford to have him go down. I think it's a safe pick. It is maybe reaching a little bit at 16, but I truly believe that the Ravens will trade back. But, I mean – Reaching out for an offensive lineman is something I'm comfortable with more than a position like wide receiver, um, a position where they really haven't had a great track record with. So, I mean, adding Ronnie Stanley two years ago, the fan base was pissed off. He's proven to be a pretty reliable guy on the left side. Obviously still a lot of time left to pan out for his career, but adding his former teammate on the right side, I think we're going to see a plug-and-play starter week one or very early on in the season, and it's going to be addressing just a major need, I think, for the Ravens on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I, I'd go with Dallas Goddard at 16. That's the most probable pick. I, I think, again, you're looking at at 16, be in a position you don't want to be in. I think the Ravens are using the quarterback as a smoke screen. I think tight end is the biggest need, and I I, I think Dallas Goddard's the best tight end of the draft, and I think that's pretty obvious. So if they're going to take a tight end in the first round, I would bet it would be Goddard. Um, they've talked about Hayden Hurst, but I would bet Goddard and you know what, that fills the biggest need. If you look at the Ravens right now, tight end's the one thing we have nothing at.
0: So it sounds like, you know, just from what you guys have said up until this point, you think there's a pretty decent chance the Ravens could trade back in the first round. We've seen Ozzie Newsom do this a number, a handful of times throughout his career. So if you could put like a a percentage number on the chances of the Ravens trading back in the first round, what would that be? And then maybe trading up, you know, the Ravens, this is a crucial draft with not making the playoffs in three straight seasons. Organizations can get a little desperate. I don't think that's the Ravens mantra, nor will it ever be. Um, but give me like a percentage where you guys think they could trade back and then trade up. Well,
1: trading up, I'm going to say 5%. It's very unlikely that that would happen. I could see them if Rosen fell, uh, and then got made it. That could happen, but let's be honest. Rosen's not going to fall. We're, we're overthinking this. Um, I would say trading back, there's a hundred percent chance they're going to want to. You're going to get more picks. You don't have to force a pick at 16. You can kind of draft in your comfort zone. Um, I'd say there's a 40 to 50% chance that they, they could actually get a dancing partner at, uh, the 16th pick to trade back. Uh, it, it takes two to tango and. I think it's a point flip. I think if the quarterback situation in the draft has died down, if Lamar Jackson is off the board, I mean, you might have somebody who wants to come up and and get an offensive tackle maybe. I, I just don't think that this is a draft where people are going to be desperate to move up once the quarterbacks are off the board. And, I you know, if the Giants take a quarterback, I think that really solidifies the fact that six quarterbacks are going in the first round. I think some team's going to take a shot on Mason Rudolph. It's bizarre, but it's going to happen. So,
2: you know, uh, it's a coin flip, but we're not trading up. I really don't think we're trading up. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the Ravens trade up. I think we'd be truly shocked if that happened. I mean, maybe if a quarterback drops, but it's just – the likelihood of that is just not going to happen, especially teams like the Bills, the uh, Cardinals, and Dolphins probably looking to trade up even higher to get guys. So the running quarterback's going to drop probably a top-ten guy into the Ravens' lap. Whether they pick them or not all depends on if they're there. And I'll put it at, like, 50%. I think um, Ozzie truly is looking to trade out. They tried to do it last year but couldn't find a trade partner. So I think 16 is just a weird spot to be in in the first round. It's just awkward. Like, you're you're not there for the top-ten ta- top talent, but you're also in, like, You also are probably reaching on a lot of guys. You could probably get in the back end of the first round, so I think they're probably going to be more comfortable to get a back end guy, and I really do want to see them move up in the second round because I think pick number 52 is too far back in the second round, and you're missing on a ton of talent where you could pick up maybe a good receiver or a tight end if they fall. So I'd like to see the Ravens move back to then move up in the second round. I agree with that
0: 100%. So with all this being said, of course, the big elephant in the room is Ozzie Newsom is approaching his last season as being the Ravens general manager full-time. After this season, as we know, he will step down from that post, and Eric DeCasa, the assistant to Ozzie Newsom, will take over officially the general manager reign. So with this being Ozzie Newsom's last draft as GM, will he approach it any differently? Like, is he still going to have the best player available mantra that he's had throughout his career, or could we see him maybe pull a, you know, a trick out of his hat just for the sake of it being his last draft as general manager of the Baltimore Ravens.
1: I think this is what's going to happen. I think Eric Dugas is going to go talk to to him and say, hey, you got to leave me with something here. I want this done, this done, and this done. Other than that, you make the final say. But remember who you're leaving it with. And I, I think they work together pretty well. I think they're going to work in tandem and I think Ozzy gets the final say, but I think there are certain players where Eric DaCosta will be like, dude, I need you to set this up for the future. And maybe that means they'll take quarterback more seriously than they would otherwise. Maybe that means they, they can go with the guy that DaCosta is slamming the table for. If there's a split in between Ozzy and Eric DaCosta, I think DaCosta ends up winning out. If there's consensus, but, you know, it could go it's like two guys, Ozzy likes one, DeCosta likes the other, but it's not that big of a deal. I think Ozzy I That's what I think. I think they work in tandem.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I really don't have much else to say about that. I think Ozzie's going to treat this like he always has. Um, he definitely wants to leave Eric DeCosta in a good place. I mean, I don't think he's going to do anything out of the ordinary. If he does, I feel like I would be pretty surprised. I mean, it's a very important time. I mean, it's not like the Ravens are rebuilding their – you know, still believe they can make a playoff run. So I think he's going to draft like they still want to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, Joe Flager expressed that their goal is to win the Super Bowl, and the team's only been, you know, two plays away the past two seasons from missing out on the playoffs. And, I mean, if they add a couple decent starters, this could be a team that, you know, could sink their way into the playoffs, and like we've seen before, that's all it takes.
0: This is the Ebony Bird Podcast, Episode 30, the 2018 NFL Draft Special. Once again, I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, contributor for Ebony Bird. Again, our Twitter handle is ebony underscore bird, the official fan-sided affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, check us out at ebonybird.com. Of course, the podcast coming to you through iTunes and Block Talk Radio. Our two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL, joining us tonight on a special edition, an early week edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast as we get ready for the draft. So what we're going to do now is have a seven-round mock draft, just where Chris and Joe briefly give their mock drafts, their picks for each specific round. I'll introduce the pick and then turn it over to Chris and then Joe. So uh, we'll start off with pick number 16. Of course, the first you know, round one, the big pick, obviously. It, the Ravens might stay there. They might not. So... Gut feeling, who we feeling at pick number 16? Chris, why don't you start us off?
1: I'm going to say Dallas Goddard. I think if you're going to return a player at 16, return a guy who could be the next Rob Kowski or Travis Kelsey. Dallas Goddard is a rare breed, and I feel like a lot of the consensus is he's going to be picked somewhere in the 20s. I don't think 16 is an egregious reach, whereas... Um, a guy like Mike McGlinchey, I'm like, okay, I'm drafting a right tackle in the first round. And I just, you can make the logic for it. I can't get there. So I'm going to go Dallas Goddard because Lamar Jackson is either not going to happen or they're not interested.
2: I'm going to go with McGlinchey. We're pretty much sticking with the same guys we talked with. I think he just fills a need. I think he's going to be there at 16 when the Ravens move back. And he's a guy that I just think the Ravens just need a right tackle over James Hurst.
0: Yeah, that would be really interesting to have Stanny and McGlinchey, two Notre Dame guys, former teammates on the same offensive line, on opposite sides of Joe Flacco. Real quick, before we go to uh, pick 52 in round two, the first round is going to be on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Rounds two and three will be Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then rounds four through seven will be on Saturday, April 28th, beginning at noon. So let's go to round two, Friday night, two picks that night. So who are you feeling with the, the second round pick for the Ravens?
1: I'm going to go with Martinez Rankin. The offensive tackle here and you look at Martinez Rankin. He's a, he's a really good athlete. I, I like his footwork. I think he's strong enough to, to bully some people up front. He's got a bit of a mean streak. So I'm going to go with Martinez Rankin, Rankin here. And I, I think that that's where you go offensive line. Again, I think the offensive line is better than people think it is, but getting the right tackle is not a bad idea.
2: I'm going to go um, pass catcher, go Hayden Hurst. I think Kaseki and Goddard will be gone by pick number 52, assuming the Ravens stay there. Hurst is a little bit older, but he is one of the most complete tight ends in this class um, coming out of South Carolina, former baseball guy. Um, has the ability to block too, um, good down the seams. I think the Ravens, if they don't, if they go um, offensive line with McGlinchey or another guy in the first round, they definitely have to target a pass catcher in the second or third round. So I'm going to go with Hurst with this pick.
0: First two picks, offensive and pass catcher, like the like the theme there, certainly what the Ravens need, especially on offense. The second pick that night will be in the third round, pick 83.
1: You know, I'm going to go with Gary Scales, the linebacker out of Indiana you look at scales he, he's a downhill guy a really short tackler and i think he pairs well with mosley mosley needs an aggressive head hunter uh next to him like zach Orr was the you know the read and react and just go guys and i think that's what scales brings to the table
2: i'm gonna go with michael gallup out of colorado state a lot of uh wide receiver who a lot of guys are um pretty high on he could go in the second round in the mock draft i did he he had him going in the third. He had a great performance at the Senior Bowl. I know the Ravens were pretty interested in him when they were down in Mobile. Um, just a very solid receiver. I think they have to address the wide receiver spot sometime, adding Hurst above. And the second round's good, and then adding another young guy to the wide receiver core who can, you know, mold and play behind veterans like Crabtree and Brown, I think is a great way to get him and some much-needed talent into the Ravens' depth chart because you can't just rely on these veteran guys the entire time. So, goes Gallup.
0: Beginning on day three now, the Ravens have five picks. And actually, if you look at the Ravens' recent drafts, a lot of their success has come on the third day, particularly in the fourth and fifth round. So pick number 18, the first pick of that day will be in round four, uh, 118. So who you have for the first pick of Saturday's action?
1: And I'm going to go with the receiver that I think's going to play in the slot, Kiki QC the receiver from Texas Tech. QT is a very good slot receiver. He's shifty. Um, he's got good speed, but he's not a burner. He's quick. You know, he's just a playmaker over the middle of the field. Um, I think he can really create some problems for defenses. I think he's an underrated player. So I'm going to go Kiki
0: QT here.
2: I'm going to address um, offensive line again, actually. Very offensive theme here. I'm going to go with Mason Cole out of Michigan. Uh, just solid guy. I don't even think he missed a snap or started all, all I think, all the games of his career in Michigan, just a solid guy out front. while well, he's not necessarily um, maybe a day-one starter. He can come in and compete with Skir in camp, and the other guys could prove to have a very good career. And I think at some point you need to address the center position, and this falls right into the Ravens' lap of getting those, you know, mid-round offensive um, linemen who in the past we've seen have proven to be good. We've seen Rick Wagner, Ryan Jensen, the most recent, so – these aren't guys that are necessarily going to flourish right at the beginning, but if you give them a year or two, they could definitely prove to be good starters. And if that's the case, I hope that they keep him in free agency instead of letting him walk like they always do.
0: And with that being said, continuing the action, round five, pick 154. So who you got the later, earlier stages of the later rounds on Saturday?
1: Because you're white, the safety from West Virginia. Wouldn't be shocked if he went a little earlier than this? But I, I think he's a guy who, you know, I, you put on his tape and you see both good and you see both bad. I think that's why he falls a bit. Um, but he's a great athlete. He's an aggressive player. And one of the things I like about him is uh, with a safety, if you're going to be wrong, and I want you to do it at full speed. Sometimes it will end up working out. I like ear White. I think he's a good athlete with coaching and with a little mentorship from Eric Weddle can end up being exactly what Eric Weddle is.
2: I'm going to go linebacker. I think you need to address the inside linebacker spot at some point. I'm going to go with Darius Hunter out of South Carolina State. Um, kind of a lesser-known prospect, but kind of fits into the mold that the Ravens target, You know, whether it was like Matt Judon out of Grand Valley State or like Brandon Williams. Those smaller school guys, school guys are what Ozzie Newsom loves to find him. They've really paid off. So Darius Hunter's a guy that could come in. Um, compete for that spot. I don't think um, Peanut is the long-term answer there. Just the lack of size, I really think hurts him and C.J. Mosley, too. So adding in another guy who can compete with maybe Bam Bradley coming off an injury and and Peanut will just give that um, position a lot more competition. I think they'll be better because of it.
0: As things stand right now, the only round that the Ravens have multiple picks in is round six, picks 190 and 215. Give me two names that you think the Ravens are going to target in the sixth round.
1: The fullback from Oklahoma is a guy I had in my mock draft, Dimitri Flowers. You look at, at this guy, and I, I, I think he's what Kyle Busiek brought to the table. So I'm, I'm going to go with him. And then when you look at the sixth round, there's a guy I really like at the tight end position, and it's a Cam Sering, uh the tight end out of Wake Forest. You know, I think he was actually a little underproductive at lake forest compared to what his talent can be i think if you get him late you might end up finding a dennis pitta remember we took ed dixon early um and then pitta ended up being the guy i i just see a guy that could work with the ravens
2: i'm gonna go with Kalen ballage i think the ravens undoubtedly will try to target a running back i just don't know why i just have that gut feeling um, coming out of arizona state i still think alex collins is undoubtedly the number one guy I mean after the season he had I don't know how you can't but I think they just need to add some more depth in there um and then the next pick I'll go with Riley Ferguson I think the Ravens do need to address the quarterback position at some time if it's not going to be like Lamar Jackson in the first round or some of the other guys in the mid rounds I think he's a guy that can come in and sit behind Flacco I know Chris is pretty high on him he's a guy that you know in mm-hmm. two or three years maybe I mean maybe he's not going to be a top five quarterback, but could he be a serviceable starter? I'm sure he could be. So I think he's an underrated prospect in this draft that could – I mean, obviously everyone compares those late-round picks to Tom Brady, and that's silly to do, but I think he's a guy who could have a lot of production in the NFL.
0: The very last pick for the Ravens is things stand now in the seventh round, pick 238. This is going to be the time where – all the insiders are ready for to, to get off work from all the uh, work they've been doing for over three days. I know we'll have a bunch of coverage, draft coverage on Ebony Bird, and we'll all be ready for a break after the craziness on Saturday. So one final pick for the Ravens, round seven pick, 238.
1: You know, I'm going to go with the one I went with in my mock draft I did the other day, Bradley Bozeman, the center from Alabama. I think he's a developmental guy. I don't think he comes in and starts in replacement of Jensen. But you know what? Jensen was – the same kind of player when it came to the league. And now he's the highest-paid center in the NFL. I'm going to go with Bradley
2: Bozeman, sit behind Matt Skura, and maybe end up stealing the job at some point. I'm going to go with, bear with me here, Equinemius St. Brown out of Notre Dame. That's a handful to say. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of pundits have him um, in the earlier rounds. but I use In Fan Speaks mock draft, I use Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports. Um, Big Borden, he has been ranked a little bit lower, so who's available in the seventh round, which could really be a steal. Really tall and mighty guy. I think they said he had a lot of, um, had some trouble separating, which just scares me with Brashad Perryman, but like, there's a complete difference between picking a wide receiver like that in the seventh round compared to the first round. So I think adding a guy who could compete for a roster spot, obviously, seventh round picks aren't a near lock. But I agree. With a guy like Michael Campanero, you never know, could prove to be a guy who comes in and have, can have some production. So I think if the Ravens are just throwing darts at the dartboard, he can maybe hit a bullseye with this guy if he does pan out.
1: If he's there in the seventh round, it would be a bullseye. I think he's probably going by the fourth. Yeah, that's
2: fair to say. I mean, pundits differ with the big boards, and, you know, that's just the one I happen to use. So.
1: No, absolutely. And the only big board that matters are the 32 teams' big boards, and we have no clue where he is on those. So that's very fair.
0: And with that being said, that wraps up our seven-round mock draft a podcast form ahead of the NFL draft coming in a couple of days. I want to encourage everyone, everyone listening out there, if you haven't already, go to ebonybird.com and check out all the draft coverage. Our whole team, both site experts, contributors, everybody here has been working really hard lately, and this week included, to bring you a bunch of draft coverage. And if you're like me and you're not as familiar with the draft as a lot of experts are. You should go on DebneyBird.com and check out all the names that people were mocking to the Ravens so you could educate yourself not only where the Ravens stand as far as their picks are, but some possible names they could be targeting as well. I want to touch on this real quick because it did, this was a piece of news that happened over the past couple of days. The Ravens offering a two year, $10.4 million contract an offer sheet to Saints uh, wide receiver, former wide receiver Willie Sneed, of course, uh the Saints, this happened two days ago on Friday, so the Saints have a total of five days to match this offer sheet. He was a restricted free agent. They haven't done so yet. And as far as we know, there's been very little contact between Snead and the Saints. He's had some injuries and some concerns over the uh, past couple of seasons, but he appears to be uh, the slot receiver filling a, a need that the Ravens need at that position. Of course, this isn't official yet because the Saints still have three more days, and if we're going in, into tomorrow when this podcast will be released, uh, two days to match this offer sheet. But it appears as where things stand now they're not going to make a move. Um, so opinions, all, all drafts, you know, aside because the Ravens could still very well add some more names in the receiver room um, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Uh, thoughts on Willie Sneed, the player, and how he fits in the Ravens' offense with Flacco and with Morningweg as well.
2: I mean, I like it. I think it was very, it kind of surprised me because they offered the, the contract on the last day possible. It kind of came up to the point we really weren't expecting much to happen and it kind of just was news that broke in the morning and I like it. I think he's a good slot option. I think that kind of takes away the need for a wide receiver in round one, which is good because I think even with Calvin Ridley being regularly mocked to the Ravens, that still could be a little bit of a reach, and I think a lot of people believe that. But I think it just adds another solid guy in there. I mean, he's coming off a pretty terrible season, but that was limited by um, suspensions and then injuries. So I think given a, a chance in a new offense, he could definitely have a good, good season and adding in, a productive slot receiver is exactly what Joe Flacco needs. I think Crabtree um, and Brown would be solid options on the outside. Would well Snead takes that option on the inside? Obviously, like I said in my one article, I think that takes away Rashad Perryman's role in this offense. But the Ravens are putting a lot of money in these guys, betting on them coming off disappointing seasons, but they've shown potential. And I like this wide receiver core a lot better going into this season than I did last year. So I think that's definitely saying something.
1: Yeah, Wilson Sneed has the year. Um, where everything that could bite him, bit him. I mean, you, the suspension was totally his fault. You I that's not something you mess with. Um, that's totally your fault. But after that, the injuries, um, and, you know, he kind of worked himself out of favor in New Orleans. Um, you saw the Saints improve their wide receiver core, uh, you know, already this off season. When you, when you look at the Saints, you just, they're not going to, they're not going to offer him a contract. So I'm, I'm going to say this is good. I think the Ravens are going to bounce back with receivers who are bouncing back. I think we're going to be a surprise team because I think Michael Crabtree is a lot better than anyone wants to give him credit for. He, he's one of the only receivers to have eight plus touchdowns three seasons in a row. And another thing is I think John Brown's going to have a good year. So. You look at John Brown, if he stays healthy, he's going to be good. Um, and I think the same thing can be said about Steve. So uh, I'm just happy that we don't have to force a receiver in round one, because if we draft Calvin Ridley, I'm going to be nervous as hell until I see him do it in the NFL.
0: And before we wrap things up here, of course, another piece of information that came out this week was the NFL schedule release. Of course, the Ravens got their uh, slate of games, their schedule all lined up. Uh, Some things I took away from it, opening at home against Buffalo for the second year out of three seasons. uh, Division, playing all three division opponents on the road in the first five weeks, including two of those on primetime television. No home primetime time games speaking of that, and week seventeen is actually not against the Bengals. Um so just any other thoughts you have on the Ravens twenty eighteen schedule that was just released on Thursday night.
2: No, you hit it, I'm just we I'm playing the Bengals week seventeen, so that that's really a good thing. Uh the no primetime games at home sucks, but the attendance was pretty crappy last year, so I mean maybe that's a good thing we don't have to see these nationally televised games where a third of the stadium is filled, so I mean, that week that week six or week nine stretch is going to be tough. I think the week 10 bye is good. That will be much needed heading into the back end. But, I mean, it's, the Ravens have no excuses um, to make to not make the playoffs this year. I think their uh, opponent's strength schedule is kept with, like 21st or 22nd, very similar to what it's been in the past couple of years. They have the talent to do it, and we've seen in the past couple of years they've dropped these games that they're supposed to win. You know, whether it was the Bears last year or the Jets before, I think they need to avoid that. And those games make a complete difference because we've seen the past two years come down to one game. And if the Ravens would have won those games early in the season, they wouldn't have, you know, that last touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd would have been obsolete. It wouldn't have even been a matter. So I think they just need to win to win the games they need to win. They're not going to go 16-0. No one's expecting them to be. But if they can get to a, a 10-6, and 11-5, you know, sneak into a wild guard spot, maybe the division, who knows? I think that's enough. But we cannot see this team continue to drop games and play to the level of opponents like the Browns and like other teams who have struggled during the season, because that's going to prove to be costly, and it could it could cost John Harbaugh his job if the Ravens don't make the playoffs.
1: Oh my goodness! How do you follow that? That was perfect. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this about yeah, it was good. Uh, I'll say this about the Ravens' schedule: uh, you got five home games in the last eight games, and most of your division games. Are late in the season, or at home. So, you you have no excuse not to do better, and I I think the Ravens restore home field advantage, which when you get all those road games early in the season, you have a chance to restore home field advantage because if the Ravens come out of the first half of the season and they're looking like a playoff team, the fans are going to come. So, you have an advantage to Fix your entire home field advantage problem and make it what it once was, and th- that's exactly that's exactly what I take from the schedule. You have a chance to make MT Bank Stadium roar again for a strong first half of the season if they don't do it at their own damn park.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I you know didn't have very specific expectations for the schedule, but can't complain with how everything shook out uh, being released on Thursday night. So with that being said, that concludes our NFL draft special of the Ebony Bird podcast, episode 30. Again, thank you to our site experts, Chris Schisser at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL for joining me tonight. Again, I'm Jake McDonald, contributor. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Our site handle is Ebony underscore Bird, the official fan-sided affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens. You can find us at EbonyBird.com. And, of course, the podcast coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to download that Ebony Bird app from the app store so you can get all of our content, push notifications, taking you right to the articles on your phone. i uh, have that all right there for you. So enjoy the draft. Hopefully by the time we come to you next week on the Ebony Bird podcast, I'm already looking forward to breaking down the NFL draft with Joe and Chris. Um, a post NFL draft edition. We all we well know what the Ravens did uh, heading into the NFL draft in just a few days. So again, it's coming up on Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. All these times. Uh, Friday at 7 p.m. for rounds two and three, and rounds four through seven on Saturday, beginning at noon. So enjoy the draft and hopefully when we come to you next week on the podcast we will have a lot to talk about and in a good way hopefully we're not going to be frustrated with whatever the ravens do whether it's round one or round seven we want to be optimistic as much as possible going into next season so for joe and chris i'm jake mcdonald we will talk to you next week right here on the ebony bird podcast